0: This is Clinical Pearls. With normal pregnancy, blood volume increases, which results in a concomitant hemodilution. Although red blood cell mass increases during pregnancy, plasma volume increases more, resulting in a relative anemia. This gives a physiologically lowered hemoglobin level, a lowered hematocrit value, and lowered RBC count. However, this has no effect on the mean corpuscular volume, or the MCV. In women, however, who are iron deficient, this problem is exacerbated due to low iron stores affecting the body's ability to increase red blood cell production. Iron deficiency is the most common pathologic cause of anemia in pregnancy. Increased demand during pregnancy for iron is due to the growing fetus and the placenta's requirement of iron, the increased erythrocyte mass, and of course the expanded maternal blood volume. Risk factors for iron deficiency anemia or IDA during pregnancy include an iron deficient diet, gastrointestinal issues affecting absorption, or a short interpregnancy interval. Does iron deficiency anemia in pregnancy result in adverse maternal or neonatal outcomes? The data is actually more controversial than you at first suspect. In this session, we will review the data regarding the impact of iron deficiency anemia on both maternal and neonatal outcomes. The overwhelming majority of anemia in reproductive age women is due to low or absent iron stores, making iron deficiency anemia the world's most common anemia due to a micronutrient deficiency. In addition to iron deficiency anemia, a large number of pregnant women have iron deficiency without anemia. That means that they have low iron stores but have not yet caused anemia. Now in pregnancy and here's a clinical pearl there is no specific hemoglobin or hematocrit value that can be used to distinguish physiologic dilutional anemia from other causes of anemia like iron deficiency so we can't use H&H alone we have to look at other parameters and we'll get into that in just a minute but let's next talk about the needs of iron during pregnancy Regarding the iron needs during pregnancy, the cumulative total requirements includes expansion of the maternal red blood cell mass, as well as iron necessary for fetal placental growth. Here's what the numbers look like. Regarding maternal red blood cell expansion, that requires 500 milligrams of extra iron throughout the pregnancy. And regarding fetal placental growth, that requires 300 to 350 milligrams of additional iron throughout pregnancy. However, the need for iron also varies based on trimester. In the first trimester, about one to two milligrams per day of iron is needed due to the normal gastrointestinal slothing and the early pregnancy-related increase in red blood cell mass. But in the second trimester, the demand increases from the 1 to 2 milligrams a day of the first trimester up to four to 5 milligrams per day. This is due to requirements of the increased maternal red blood cell production as well as fetal red blood cell production and fetal placental growth. In the third trimester, the demand increases yet again to about 6 mg a day and this is due to the ongoing maternal and fetal red blood cell production and the continued growth of the fetal placental unit. Remember that during delivery, the maternal compartment will lose about 250 milligrams of iron. Therefore, it's important to have adequate iron availability before delivery occurs. Now, anemia is generally defined according to hemoglobin levels, which may vary according to many factors, most importantly the age, gender, and the ethnicity of the patient. Any level below 13 grams per deciliter for males and below 12 grams per deciliter for females is considered abnormal. But remember, that is for non-pregnant females. Hemoglobin levels of less than 11 grams per deciliter at any time during pregnancy are considered abnormal. Abnormalities in red blood cell indices on a CBC typically precede the development of lowered hemoglobin levels, so we need to say that again. Abnormalities in red blood cell indices on a CBC typically happen before the development of lowered hemoglobin levels. However, reduced iron availability and low ferritin actually precede those hematological changes. So here's what this timeline looks like in terms of hematological parameters. The most sensitive and the first thing to be affected is the serum ferritin level. Now we'll cover measurement of the ferritin level in just a minute. But ferritin is your earliest detector of iron deficiency. This then results in change in the MCV on a CBC. In other words, microcytosis is a lagging measure of iron deficiency falling after ferritin. Lastly comes the hemoglobin and hematocrit changes where hemoglobin falls down under 11 grams per deciliter. Remember, we said earlier that H and H alone cannot discriminate between the physiological dilutional anemia of pregnancy and pathological anemia. That's why it's important to look at things like the MCV and the serum ferritin levels to find out which anemia is simply physiologic and which is due to the pathological cause of iron deficiency. Now, if anemia is diagnosed, additional testing to investigate potential causes of anemia include hemoglobin electrophoresis and measurement of vitamin B12 and serum folate levels. Vitamin B12 and folate levels are especially important in those with chronic GI disorders or those who have had bariatric surgery. Before we get into the potential adverse effects of iron deficiency on both the maternal and fetal outcomes, let's follow up this discussion regarding ferritin levels. Ferritin is an acute phase reactant and levels may be falsely elevated due to chronic or acute inflammation, liver disease, renal failure, metabolic syndrome, or malignancy, so remember that. Also, in the late third trimester, ferritin levels may naturally decrease. So, the best time to check ferritin levels are around 28 to 32 weeks and especially important in those who do not have chronic or acute inflammation, liver disease, renal failure, malignancy, or some type of metabolic syndrome. Some authorities do recommend checking a baseline ferritin in the first trimester and then again at the start of the third trimester, again around 28 weeks or so. Regarding the interpretation of ferritin, if a pregnant woman is not anemic, a serum ferritin level less than 15 indicates iron deficiency. So keep that in mind. Remember, if she is not anemic based on H and H levels, but her serum ferritin is less than 15 nanograms per ml, she is iron deficient. Some experts believe that a pregnant woman who is not anemic, a serum ferritin level should actually be considered abnormal between 15 and 30 nanograms per ml. Now, what if the pregnant patient is anemic? What is the ferritin value then? Well, if the pregnant woman is anemic based on H&H cutoff levels and she does not have another cause of the anemia, then a serum ferritin level less than 40 is indicative of iron deficiency. So remember those numbers. If a patient is not anemic and is pregnant, then the serum ferritin level drops down to 15 being a cutoff for iron deficiency. Even though some argue that the level should be a little bit higher at 15 to 30, most agree that a level of ferritin under 15 nanograms per ml in a pregnant woman who is not anemic is iron deficient. But if the pregnant woman is anemic and does not have another cause of the anemia, the serum ferritin level less than 40 is indicative of iron deficiency. Iron deficiency during pregnancy is one of the leading causes of anemia in infants as well as young children. Many women go through the entire pregnancy without attaining the minimum required intake of iron. Iron, remember, is a crucial component in the metabolic processes involved in tissue oxygenation. An average individual contains about 3 to 5 grams of iron. A standard diet could supply up to 15 milligrams of iron per day. The acidic environment aids iron absorption, which takes place in the first and second parts of the small intestine. Iron absorption is therefore enhanced by the co-administration of acidic components like ascorbic acid. Excess iron is stored as ferritin and that's what we've just reviewed.
1: All right, look,
0: we've spent a lot of time talking about the basics behind maternal compartment iron levels. But do these actually mean anything in terms of outcomes? That's the purpose of this podcast. Let's start that discussion now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if If. only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news In a retrospective published study, compared with pregnant women without iron deficiency, the presence of iron deficiency in pregnancy did increase the risk of maternal blood transfusion, preterm delivery, cesarean delivery, newborn 5-minute APGAR score less than 7, and maternal intensive care admission. Remember, this was a single retrospective study. Also, according to a systematic review and a meta-analysis of 26 studies, maternal anemia, mostly iron deficiency, was in fact associated with a higher risk of low birth weight, preterm birth, perinatal mortality, and neonatal mortality. Lowered iron stores in the newborn baby will increase the risk of subsequent iron deficiency anemia. Prematurity and early weaning off breastfeeding further increase the risk. During pregnancy, iron deficiency anemia correlates with negative perinatal outcomes, including premature labor, intrauterine growth retardation, low birth weight, which we've just referenced in the previous studies, and some studies have even linked it to birth asphyxia. Now keep in mind though, even though we've laid down that foundation, these findings are somewhat controversial, but more on that in just a minute. Lowered iron stores for the newborn child may persist for up to one year and result in iron deficiency anemia in early childhood. Such a state should be identified and treated promptly in the newborn child because of the possible long-term consequences according to some pediatric literature. Iron is essential for neural metabolism and functioning. Iron deficiency anemia can result in changes in energy metabolism within the brain with defects in neurotransmitter function and even myelination. Therefore, infants and young children with iron deficiency anemia are at risk of developmental difficulties including cognitive, social-emotional, and adaptive function. Now remember, this is starting in pregnancy. So if we can give children a proper footing, and a proper launch in terms of iron stores, then we can protect them, at least that's the theory, behind these altered neurological developments. Now, breastfeeding is usually protective, but it's not if the mother is iron deficient. It has been noted that iron levels in breast milk fall as lactation progresses over time. So it's important that women that are continuing to breastfeed, which is wonderful, take additional iron supplementation to help prevent that fall in iron levels in breast milk as lactation proceeds. So what does this mean, though? We've covered some things about pregnancy and altered early childhood neurodevelopment. But here's the thing. The effect of iron deficiency anemia on both maternal and newborn outcomes is somewhat controversial. Some authorities state that more rigorous trial evidence is inconsistent linking IDA and any adverse outcome. What is that about? Let's cover that next. Of course, medicine has to be confusing. Now, we've just covered some observational data. Remember that these have usually been observational, case cohort, or retrospective studies, and that's where some of the criticism comes into play. In 2015, the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force stated that routine iron supplementation during pregnancy may improve maternal hematological indices and reduce the incidence of iron deficiency. In the short term, however, the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force stated that there was no clear or consistent evidence that prenatal iron supplementation actually had a beneficial clinical impact on either maternal or infant health. In addition, according to the U.S. Prevent Service Task Force, no trials are available on the effect of prenatal screening of iron deficiency anemia on clinical outcomes despite routine screening practices in high-income countries. Rigorous studies are needed to fully understand the short and long-term effects of routine iron supplementation and iron deficiency anemia in pregnancy. Now, that's a statement of the U.S. Prevent Service Task Force. They end their conclusion with this statement. Until then, the evidence on routine iron supplementation and screening in prenatal care will remain unclear at best. All right, as we wrap up the podcast, remember that even though the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force states that more evidence is needed, both ACOG and the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine agree that screening pregnant women for iron deficiency anemia is valid and necessary. Why? Because treatment is relatively low risk with the potential for high yield benefit. Remember that prevention of maternal anemia at delivery can help prevent the need for transfusion. And as we've just stated, proper iron stores in the maternal compartment can help support breastfeeding and help guarantee that the child has adequate iron supplies in breast milk as lactation continues. So, we can agree to disagree. Although the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force is a little bit more conservative in their recommendation, ACOG and SMFM is a little bit more liberal in that we should adopt screening, identification, and treatment of iron deficiency anemia in pregnancy. All right, this wraps up our podcast covering iron deficiency anemia in pregnancy. Thanks for being a part of Clinical Pearls. We'll see you next time on our next episode.